I think they did a pretty good job, huh? Can we praise God for that? Yeah. Thank you. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I had an opportunity this past week to sort of go down memory lane as I had the chance to lead chapel over at our partner school, Orange Lutheran High School. And I grew up in the city of Orange, and the first part of my life, I basically lived uh, across the street and just down the block from Orange Lutheran. And so it got me kind of thinking. Got me thinking about my own life in the city of Orange and Orange Lutheran and St. John's and my history. Now, I actually went to Villa Park High School, but I had a, a lot of friends who went to Lehigh. That's what we used to call it back then, right? Lehigh. Do you remember? It's Lehigh. It's not Olu. No. They call it Olu now. And anyway, I told the story about a conversation that I had overheard on a houseboat trip that I had taken with the youth of St. John's back in 1988. And it was a conversation between an Orange Lutheran High School student and our youth leader at the time, Byron Porsche. And that conversation, it actually sort of changed my life. It's a different story for a different day. But it got me thinking about Byron Porsche. Anybody know Byron? Anybody remember Byron? Yeah. Byron Porsche was a great youth leader. And on the one hand, he was an adult. He was above us. He was a, you know, a leader. But he was also on our level. He was down with us youth, right? And he was with us in the best of times in our life and in the worst of times in our life. And he included us to be with him. He wanted us to be with him on this journey of following Jesus, and he wanted to be with us. I remember him asking me and my good buddy Noah, he would ask, hey, you guys want to come with me? To do whatever, we would go to the computer store with him. We would go run errands and get supplies to uh, lead youth events and district youth gatherings. He would say, you want to come with me? I remember him asking, hey, would you like to go with me to lead vacation Bible school at this church that has no one to, to lead it? We're going to go in there. We're going to bless them. Do you want to come with me on that? He would say, do you want to come with me to Mexicali on your spring break because we're going to do street ministry to a bunch of kids that need to learn about Jesus? Reminded me of so many other mentors and influencers in my life. I thought of also Kevin Belial. He used to be here, another youth leader. He would do the same thing. He would say, do you want to come with me? Do you want to go with me to this concert or go check out these guitars? Do you want to come with us to the beach? Do you want to come with us and lead the junior high camp and help these kids learn about Jesus? And so it got me thinking of all these mentors and all of these people of significance and influence in my life who had asked me, to come and to be with them. I thought of all sorts of things from score off-road events to parties to mundane errands to weddings to missionary work to acts of service to joining with their small groups to worshiping with them. All these people wanted me to be with them, to do life with them, and they desired to be with me in my life. It sort of got me thinking of that little word, with. It's such a small little word, man. It's not even a noun or a verb or even a pronoun or an adverb. It's just a little tiny little preposition. Who cares about that word, with? But that word with is actually significant. It may be one of the most significant words in the human language because with connects, with joins, with 
adds entities together and creates something new. And when someone, especially someone of great significance, comes into our lives and asks to be with us or for us to be with them, it's a big deal. It's a big deal to be included. It's a big deal to be noticed. It's a big deal to be part of something new because of an invitation and the reality of being with, being united with someone, some group, some purpose of significance. And so as I was going down memory lane this past week, I just was so grateful for the so many significant people who I've been able to be with and do life with them and their desire to actually be with me. Our gospel reading today talks about blessings and woes. We just heard it read so powerfully a moment ago. It's an awesome text, and at the same time, it is a harsh text. And it's kind of hard to understand what Jesus is talking about with these blessings and woes. Is he saying that everyone who is rich and well-fed and happy and well-spoken of, that they are cursed? Or is Jesus saying that you have to be poor, hungry, grieving, and excluded to be blessed? And if so, where do I stand? Before we jump into all that and get all hyped up and nervous, maybe we take a step back and look at some of the little details. Jesus had been up on the mountain praying all night long. Praying all night. The next morning, he called his big group of disciples, and out of them, he chose 12 to be apostles. And then comes our text, Luke chapter 6, verse 17. It says that he went down with them. He went down with them and stood on a level place. Like normally when you read through that text, you don't even see that word with there. You just fly right over it. With. Jesus went down with the 12 apostles. He went down with the larger crowd of disciples. And I love that image of him being on this level place, on this plateau. He's on our level. And it's not just some youth pastor being down with the kids, right? This is God. This is the second person of the Trinity. This is the creator of the universe taking on human flesh and being with us. It's Christmas. Emmanuel with us is God. Friends, that is huge and very important for us to press the pause button on and to think about. I mean, this whole entire premise behind Christianity is a sort of backwards, upside-down way of doing things. We would never do it that way. Not in America. Not where you got to push forward and achieve your own excess and accomplish your own dreams and goals and desires, where you got to take control of your life and do it and earn it yourself, that doesn't make sense. It makes sense to God. And he does it. And he comes down to be with us. He invites us to be with him. And he desires, the God of the universe desires to be with us. The angel said it to lowly Mary, the Lord is with you. We've got three baptisms this morning. You just witnessed two of them, and Jasper and Noah, and that language of with is all over Romans chapter 6. I just read it a moment ago. It said, Romans chapter 6, verse 4, we were therefore buried with him, with Jesus, through baptism. If we've been united with 
him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Emmanuel. God with us. Jesus came to be with Jasper and he came to be with little Noah so that they could be with him and he will always be with them. And they, they will be with him in life, in death for eternity. And so my friends, that little word with, it's powerful. Luke chapter 6 verse 17. Jesus went down with them. And he stood on a level place. And a large crowd of disciples was there. And a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem, and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sire. There's a lot of people there who had come to hear him and be healed of their diseases. Those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. It's amazing. The God of the universe, the second person of the Trinity, he is coming down. He is healing. He is touching. He is associating with the sick, with the impure, with the lowly, with the outcast, with the needy. And looking at his disciples, he said, blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you will laugh. Blessed are you when people hate you and exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man, because of Jesus. Rejoice in that day. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven for that is how their ancestors treated the prophets. And Jesus, in those words, he's indicting the religious leaders of the time who had distorted the truth of God's word and God's love for all of humanity. And they were looking down upon the poor, looking down upon the hungry, looking down upon the grieving, looking down upon the excluded. Jesus is calling them out. But more importantly, he's identifying with all of those poor, hungry, grieving. He's identifying with all of God's children. He is coming to be with them. And he's declaring that they will be with him for eternity. He's including them with the status and the identity of the great Old Testament prophets. You see, Jesus is coming to them not as just some benevolent governmental leader or a social worker or all all-around good humanitarian sort of guy. He's coming as the son of the heavenly father, the heavenly father who loves all his children. And when you think about it that way, it probably doesn't surprise us. Someone once said this, someone said that a parent, a parent is usually only as happy as their least happy child. Let me say that again. A parent is usually only as happy as their least happy child. You kind of get what, what's going on there as a parent? You might know what I'm talking about. I know from my own experience. I know it from the people I counsel. And perhaps maybe the biblical witness is suggesting that this may be true of God the Father as well. Because he loves all of his kids. All of his creation. 
And so the Heavenly Father, he sends down to us not a governmental leader, not a politician, not a social worker, not a humanitarian organization. He sends his divine son, Jesus, to be with them, to be with us. And so it's no wonder that Jesus lifts up the lowly as worthy of God's presence and God's regard. He comes to rescue. He comes to save. He comes to heal. He comes to give hope to his family to all God's children, to be with them because he loves them. And when he does that, he declares that every human being is worthy of God's love. But Jesus doesn't stop there. He loves all God's children so much that he moves to this woe section. And believe it or not, he says these words of woe because the Father loves these people too. Every parent in the room knows that you at times have to speak a harsh and biting and true word of love to your children. And these words are tough. Verse 24, woe to you who are rich, for you have already received your comfort. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you will go hungry. Woe to you who will laugh now, for you will mourn and weep. Woe to you when everyone speaks well of you, for that is how their ancestors treated the false prophets. That's some hard, harsh, biting words. But each of those woes, it's a counterpart to each of the blessings he said. And you see that Jesus, Jesus seems to be refuting an idea that was sort of floating around at the time that said, if you are rich and if you are well-fed and if you are happy and if you are popular and well-spoken of, well, then you're blessed by God. Which meant the opposite was true, that if you were poor and hungry and grieving and excluded and needing, then you were not blessed by God. And if that was true, then those people were then looked down upon as somehow less than worthy of God's promise, the Heavenly Father's love. And so the Father sends his Son. He sends his Son into the midst of that injustice and in that corruption, those religious leaders misrepresenting him. He sends his son into the midst of that to set them straight because they too are his children and he wants them. He wants them to repent of their arrogance and their injustice and their distorted view of God's favor. He loves them that much that he speaks that word of woe. As my four-year-old daughter reminded me last night, she said, Jesus loves us always even when we make poor choices. <laughs> I said, girl, that preaches. She also added, he never lies. He never lies. Jesus is inviting them in those woes, and he's inviting all of us to be merciful as the Heavenly Father is merciful, as every good parent is merciful, as every good older sibling is merciful. And it got me thinking down memory lane. You see, one of the greatest things about Byron, Porsche, and Kevin Belial, and all the other mentors that I've had in my life, and that you have had too, they not only invited us to be with them in community and in life, but they invited us to be with them in mission and to bring with to others. Because if I'm rich and I'm well-fed and I don't give to the poor and hungry, that is wrong and woe to me. Jesus is inviting me to join him and bring mercy and to be with all. If I'm happy and others are grieving and I, I, I look down upon them, that is wrong and woe to me. 
Jesus is inviting me to be with them and bring healing presence, a healing touch, a healing word if necessary. And if all I care is everyone liking me, that is wrong and woe to me. Jesus is inviting me to offend. Offend particularly those who think that God loves them more than he loves others. And so I think perhaps when you look at the text that way, you see that it's not so much that being rich and being well-fed and being content and being well-liked are bad things. But when we derive our sense of identity and sense of self-worth from those things, and worse yet, when we derive other people's identity and sense of self-worth from those things, when riches and security and contentment and popularity become our God, we are in serious danger to ourselves and to those around us. That's why Jesus says, Woe! To you. He says it purely out of love, so that we'll turn back to him, poor in spirit, hungering for righteousness, grieving over our arrogant injustice, and yearning to join him and the Father on missions of mercy. And in that moment, we're drawn back to the water. We're drawn back to our baptisms. And we can hear Lee Clear him finish out the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 20. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Amen? Amen. Amen.